Hello, and welcome to the latest CSF podcast on axial spondyloarthritis. We're bringing you new episodes on a bi-monthly basis alongside our psoriatic arthritis podcasts, and we'll also be supplying you with monthly slide decks to help you keep you up to date with the latest research and publications in the field of actual SPA. First of all, allow me to introduce myself and my co-host. I'm Sophia Ramiro, consultant rheumatologist and senior researcher at Leiden University Medical Center and Zuiderland Medical Center in the Netherlands. Joining me today is Hideto Kameda, Professor of Internal Medicine at Toho University. And of course, if you want to find out more about us and the papers we discussed today, please head over to the CSF website, www.citokinesignaling.com. So over to you, Professor Kameda. Thank you. Our first paper sought to describe the instance of MACES in French patients nearly benefiting from the French Long-Term Illness Scheme, LTI, for angiogenic spondylitis, and to evaluate the effect of various treatments on the risk of MACE occurrence. Our second paper goes on to evaluate the long-term safety profile for eupanacetinib across rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, angiogenic spondylitis, and atopic dermatitis. Over to you, Dr. Lamiro. Thank you very much. And we did start uh, with our first paper entitled Impact of NSAIDs on Eight-Year Cumulative Incidence of Major Cardiovascular Events in Patients with Ankylosing Spondylitis, a Nationwide Study. As we know, patients suffering from actual SPA seem to have increased cardiovascular morbidity and mortality. So SPA represents an independent cardiovascular risk factor. In addition to the disease, drug treatments uh, play, may play a role. So there is an open debate and controversy over the potential impact of specifically NSAIDs on the risk of myocardial infarction and maces in, in SPA. So the objective of this study from our French colleagues was to describe the incidence of maces in French patients that were newly benefiting from the French long-term illness scheme. Uh, so patients that have uh, actual spinal arthritis, radiographic uh, actual spinal arthritis uh, or AS. And this study was uh, sought to evaluate the effect of various treatments on the risk of MACE uh, occurrence. It's uh, a national study, a national cohort study that was based on uh, French uh, national medical administrative data sets containing data on hospitalizations, the LTI scheme, so long-term illness, and outpatient care consumption. All fair French patients that are newly uh, identified uh, with the actual SPA and newly receiving the long-term illness benefits from 2010 to 2013 were included. And the final follow-up date was uh, at the end of 2018. And the occurrence of MACE, and including stroke and myocardial infarction, as well as comorbidities were identified from algorithms previously, previously validated in, in the literature. The competing risk analysis took place using propensity score and inverse weighting to perform and to calculate cumulative incidence functions and to determine subhazard ratios for the various treatments of interest. So between 2010 and 2013, almost 23,000 patients were included with a mean age of 43 years, 45% being males. 
and the eight-year cumulative uh, incidence of MACE stroke and, and myocardial infarction, but especially if we start with MACE, it was a cumulative incidence of 1.1% of stroke, uh, 1% and of uh, myocardial infarction, 0.9%. And then the authors looked at the hazard ratio uh, for the different uh, treatments. So if we look at the effect of taking NSAIDs versus not taking, patients taking NSAIDs had an acid ratio of the occurrence of a MACE of 0.39, and this hazard ratio was statistically significant, meaning that patients on NSAIDs were protected from having a MACE. The same happened to uh, TNF inhibitors with a hazard ratio of 0.61, and also with a confidence interval that was statistically significant. Uh, but with uh, IL-17 inhibitors, this did not happen. So the hazard ratio was 2.1 and the confidence interval was not statistically significant. Please, we have to also keep in mind that when the study was started, no patients were treated with uh, TNF, with IL-17 inhibitors. And throughout follow-up, only 5% of patients were, were treated with IL-17 inhibitors. So there's a very low proportion of patients to consider the effect of this treatment on, on the outcome. So in conclusion, few maces were observed in patients newly receiving the long-term benefits, illness benefits for SPA. NSAIDs and TNF inhibitors may have a protective effect in terms of uh, cardiovascular events. This was not found for IL-17 inhibitors, but numbers on this uh, drug class are very low. So uh, uh, all in all, these data are very reassuring about the long-term uh, use of NSAIDs in, in SPA. And uh, this is the summary of this paper. Professor Kameda, what are your thoughts about this? Yes, it's very interesting. And how is the source of the direct effect of uh, COX inhibitors for normal populations versus patients with spongular arthritis? It may be different. Yes, I think it's a very good point. And I think this is an ongoing uh, topic that uh, leads to several of us and our, of our colleagues to be less um, comfortable in prescribing long-term NSAIDs, especially when we're talking about young patients and the, that, that take it for a long period of time. So it's very important to know, to be informed about the safety of these drugs. We all know that there are side effects with uh, NSAIDs and chronic uh, prescription of these drugs. But this is also a particular population because it's mainly young people who have less comorbidities. So I think we are we all have benefit in having this type of study specifically in, in, in patients with, with actual SPA. I, I think one comment that I would also like to make is that I think we have to be cautious with this type of analysis from uh, claims data sets where outcomes are, are, are used based on ICD codes. So the validity of them is, is, is not the same as if we use uh, cohort studies in which we follow patients prospectively. Of course, they have the, the, the benefit of allowing high numbers of, of patients uh, on the follow-up. Uh, and I think it's important to take this uh, reassuring uh, effect into account. So apparently, uh, NSAIDs can have um, side effects over the long term, but their beneficial effect of suppressing inflammation seems to be more important in uh, controlling uh, cardiovascular events in, in these patients. Okay, and for me, it's convincing that anti-TNF may be cardioprotective, 
in patients with rheumatoid arthritis and also those with spongular arthritis. Yes, What's I totally thought? agree with you. Yes, I totally mm. agree with you. And that's where I also was putting the focus on the inhibition of the, the, the inflammation and that being more important um, on uh, 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 impeding the, the, the long-term uh, outcomes or the cardiovascular um, events, that being more important than the uh, adverse events of the drugs themselves. And therefore, I also made the, the side note of IL-17 inhibitors, which did not show the same effect in this study but I, I, I honestly suspect that it's because of the very low numbers of patients that were taking these drugs throughout follow-up and at baseline, no one was taking an IL-17 inhibitor. With other words, it seems that the most important in actual SPA is really in suppressing inflammation and that will be key to avoid uh, uh, cardiovascular events. Okay, thank you, Sophia. So over to our second paper titled safety profile of uparacetinib over 15,000 patient years across rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, and atopic dermatitis, authored by Burmester et al. The study background, uparacetinib is an auto-jack inhibitor with established efficacy in rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, atopic dermatitis, and arthritis. Several safety risks have been associated with JAK inhibitor use, including epistoster, serious and opportunistic infections, elevations in CPK levels, maces, thromboembolic events, and malignancies. This integrated analysis aims to evaluate the long-term safety profile of QD paracetamol across RA, PSA, AS, and AD. In methods, safety data from clinical trials of uparacetinib 15 mg and 30 mg ADOLI for treating rheumatoid arthritis, rheumatic arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, and atopic dermatitis as of 30 June 2021 were analyzed. Some RA and PSA studies included adalimumab and mesrexid as active comparators. Treatment emergent adverse events, DAEs, were presented by disease as exposure-adjusted events rates per 100 patient years. As a result, the analysis included 6,991 patients, RA 3,000 209, PSA 907, AS 182, AD 2693, who received at least one dose of eupanacetinib, representing 15,000 patient year of exposure, maximum duration 2.75 and 5.45 years across diseases. Rates of any key AE, 205.5 to 278.1, and TAE leading to discontinuation, 1.5 to 5.4, were similar across diseases. Serious TAEs were numerically higher in patients with RA and PSA. Rates of helper cluster, 1.6 to 3.6, 
non-melanoma skin cancer 0 to 0.8, and elevations in creatine phosphokinase levels 4.4 to 7.9 were higher with upadacetinib than with active comparators in the RA and PSA populations. Death 0 to 0 0.8, serious infections 0 to 3.9, major adverse cardiovascular events 0 to 0 0.4, venous thromboembolism less than 0 0.1 to 0 0.4, and malignancies 0 0.3 to 1.4, venous thromboembolism were observed with rates generally lowest in AS and AD. Increased rates of acune were observed in patients with AD only. In conclusion, analysis of long-term data demonstrate that eupadacetinib was generally well-tolerated in RA, PSA, AES, and AD with no new safety risks identified compared with previous reports. Some variations in events were observed across diseases, possibly reflecting differences in patient populations and disease-associated comorbidities that impact background risk. Follow-up of patients receiving eupalacitinib will continue as these trials are ongoing. So I think it's a very interesting paper, and patient background population is very, very important for assessing the adverse events rate. So what you thought about this paper, Sophia? Yes, I totally agree with you. I think this is a reassuring data and important data that we will need uh, uh, this type of data in the upcoming years. Of course, the elephant in the room is oral surveillance and the fact that in oral surveillance, higher um, uh, cardiovascular events and malignancies Occurred, occurrences were seen in patients with tofacitinib compared with patients with uh, TNF inhibitors. We all would like to have another oral surveillance and eventually within other uh, diseases so that we would know whether this is specific to rheumatoid arthritis or also happens in the other inflammatory diseases. Or uh, we would like to know whether this only happens with tofacitinib or also happens with the other JAK inhibitors, but we don't, don't have that. So the alternative to that is to look at the long-term safety of trial programs of the different uh, JAK inhibitors that there are. And the initial follow-up of the, the initial long-term follow-up is, is short and is not very informative. But after we have a long-term long -term follow-up of all these studies, it starts becoming more important. I think this first, this uh, pulled analysis that we have here from across indications on uh, upadacitinib is, is at the moment very reassuring. I think it will even be more important when we see a longer follow-up and there are also uh, uh, trials that have a, comparat a, comparator, a comparator with an active treatment, uh, for example, adalimumab, and that will allow us to gain more uh, insight into the, the occurrence of uh, especially maces and malignancies are very important to, to understand. I think we all know that there are more. There's more herpes zoster with the JAK inhibitors. We take it for granted, and we, it's actually uh, uh, reassuring to see that. Also, this analysis also finds a higher uh, rate of, of herpes zoster because that's what we know and what we are also expecting. And um, so, I think now it's the, the the question that we are 
willing more to see with longer term data are the is the occurrence of the maces, so cardiovascular events and malignancies. And so far in this analysis, there does not seem to be any worrying signal. What do you okay. think uh, about the, uh, this actually? What How we will uh, be able to shed more light into this question about the occurrence of uh, maces and malignancies with JAK inhibitors? Is it a drug-specific effect? Is it a disease-specific effect? Or do we have to be cautious across drugs and indications? Yes, so it's a very, very tough question. And I think that patient population is very, very big problem. Lanzan's and JAK inhibitor were some uh, differences among JAK inhibitors. And what's the impact of the recent publication or announcement from Ema Planck on your daily clinical practice? Yes, I, I think we all uh, are aware of, of, of these risks and have to take them into account in our daily clinical practice. And I, I totally agree with you. It will come up and it comes down to risk stratification. And uh, so thinking about which patients are we treating and what is their background risk, who the patients smoke or not, what's their age, and do they have a previous history of ischemic heart disease? I think those are the most important risk factors that have come out of the analysis of uh, um, uh, oral surveillance and that we have to take into account. Transposing to our population of actual SPA, we don't know exactly what it means because we do not have those studies in actual SPA and our patients are younger mainly uh, with less comorbidities. So it, it can very well be that the risk is, is, is not that high, but I think we will need uh, more data. And therefore I, I think this type of long-term data from trials is what will uh, help us in the upcoming years. Yes, I totally agree with you. Thank you, Dr. Ramiro. Yeah. Thank you very much. And I think this is bringing us to the end of this podcast. Thank you for joining us for this uh, AXPA podcast brought to you by the CSF. We really hope that you have found it useful. If you did, don't forget to subscribe to our channels on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from so that you don't miss any future episodes. If you want to read more about what we've discussed today, head over to the cytokinsignaling.com where you will find detailed summary slides of each of the papers. See you next time.